There is one job. Let's see the puck. No puck. Face to face. Direct commission. Deep pocket. Underworld? All I know is no chain code. Do you want the chit or not? Grief Karga said you were coming. What else did he say? He said you were the best in the Parsec. one chooses to walk the way of the Mandalore, you are both hunter and prey. How can one be a coward if one chooses this way of life? Have you ever removed your helmet? No. Has it ever been removed by others? Never. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. Hey everybody, this is Jake and that's Tom. Hey, what's going on? Shut up, Tom. We got too much to talk about, oh. so we we're, we don't have time for banner. We don't, I don't even have time to listen to you bullshit about excuses of why we haven't recorded in two months. This is a huge show. It's not just you and I. This is a show too big for one podcast. So we have not one but two guests. Uh, I'm just gonna let them introduce themselves. Okay, so we got Ro. First off, I would like to ask if you're calling my new podcast fat. Are you are you weight shaming my new podcast? <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I I okay. Yes, I I am I am the host of Project Archivist, and I am also the co-host of the Old Nerds Drinking Podcast. With me is my co-host John. So send it over to John now that you fat shamed our podcast. Great. I am John Patrick, the Master Control Program, uh, and I am an old nerd drinking, as well as I, as am I, but uh, only in spirit. Uh, and because this episode is also going to air on your feed, we are Jake and Tom from the Jake and Tom Conquer the World podcast. But if you're listening to it on our feed, we already know that. Uh, so on our show, we always talk about what we're drinking. Uh, I'm going to just like cut in the line and go right first because it's simple. Uh, my wife bought one of my favorite uh, bourbons I've really grown to like. It's actually, I've drank it on the show before. It is Jim Beam Red Stag. It's actually, I don't know what it is, but I really enjoy this bourbon a lot. Isn't that the cherry flavored Bourbon? I think it, I think it is cherry flavored. Yeah, it's it's quite delicious. Okay. Uh, as far as myself, I am believe it or not not drinking a uh, craft beer. Uh, I actually got a bottle of Kraken for Christmas, and I'm enjoying that with a bit of uh, cherry Coke Zero. I actually just I just finished off a huge. I got, I got the biggest bottle of Kraken I could find at Walmart, and uh, I drank that with mostly with all of my. Uh, um, my Yuletide uh, Christmas drinks, uh, the 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 wow, the brain various fart. nogs and whatnot. The yeah. nogs, wow! For some reason, the word eggnog, poof, gone from my head. I couldn't remember the word eggnog. <laughs> Having a stroke. Yes. <laughs> yes, I think that's a symptom. I think does you it, lose the word like eggnog. Toast. Why? Why? Who's cooking toast in this house? There's some toast in this house. There's some toast in, in this, this house. house. <laughs> uh, John, you go ahead and talk about your drinking first. Um, I am actually drinking a Naughty Gnome. This has uh, been my favorite Christmas cocktail. It is uh, spiced rum, a little bit of bitters, and Verner's served over ice in an old-fashioned glass. 
I actually just heard about that drink today while listening to your show. It is damn tasty. I, I bet ever since I found the recipe, this has kind of been my go-to December drink. And it's made with Werner, so you won't get sick. Mm-hmm. John is an alchemist of alcohol. I mean, this dude can can whip up some crazy shit out of nowhere. Like I'll show up at his house to record and he'd be like, yeah, we're going to have blah, blah, blah. And I'm making a blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't know what the hell that is, but go ahead and pour me a glass. And it's Consume. always good. Yeah, exactly. So I am drinking a Rochester Mills. Uh, we, me and John went on a mad crusade to find the 12 beers of Christmas that they do every year. And we did find it. I wish you real quick. I hate to interrupt, but I wish you had told me that ahead of time because they literally have it just around the corner from me. Yeah, but I don't want to drive all the way up to where you're at. That's well, I could have grabbed and, it for you and where it at your, found uh, it. at your uh, doorstep, sir. Yeah. Literally where we found it is the liquor store that is just around the corner from my house. On John's doorstep, yes. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so um, last week, I believe it was, when we thought we were going to be recording this show, I, I messaged John saying, hey, because at the time I was under COVID watch, I was around somebody that had COVID. Of course, I, I'm fine. I've gone through a couple of tests. My quarantine is now over. I'm good all as well. But I bugged John and said, hey, can you put a couple of cans of beer on the back porch so I can stop by and grab them? You know, and he did give me the Imperial Stout. He gave me another one. And Dickhead here decided to give me the King Cake Milkshake Stout from Rochester Mills. Um which has a plastic baby on it or something like that. I don't know. It is a stout well, it, brewed it's, with. It's king cake, uh, which is like a New Orleans tradition that it's a ring shaped cake and everybody takes a slice of it. And in one of the slices is a little plastic figure. And that person wins the or is the king. They got the little prize. Sweet. Do I have a plastic baby in this can? I hope so. Cause this beer tastes like shit. This is not good beer. <laughs> This is probably the worst Rochester Mills milkshake stout that I have ever had. I'm going to drink it because I opened it, but it's horrible. It's it's not it is not PBR. So I mean it's uh, not like that time that Coke uh bottled fart water and passed it out to everybody. I would drink that over this. This is really bad. This is this is probably one of the most vile beers that I, but I will drink it cuz I've opened it and it's in the glass. And when I got it, I was like, you son of a bitch. I was, but the, the chocolate, the double chocolate stout you gave me was really good. So, um, I will deal with this and, and I will get through which this. ones you literally I know, said. I know that. Any I know. one of them. And I would have done the same to you. I would have been like, I'm going to give him the most shit beers that are in this box that I don't want to drink, even though I bought it, but still, <laughs> but Hey, you know what? Um, we're going to get through this. I'm just saying that payback is a bitch. So yeah, I love you, man. I do. This is horrid, <laughs> but I'll get through it because I've got you guys here and we're bros and we're going to power through this beer and we're going to make it. So anyways, here we go. Where are we? Take uh, take us away. Y'all. All right. So this is our big season two review of Mandalorian. Uh, we're going to be going by episode by episode. We're going to do our best to try to keep this under the three hour mark. That's my goal. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see where we go from there. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> So, because there's four of us, and we're going to be talking over one another, and some of our audio quality isn't that great. Um, I guess we'll just do it go from person to person. Logically, yeah, we say, should we start. We got to keep this to three hours. I mean, I got to get back to playing Cyberpunk. That that's an imperative. Two hours. Two hours would be ideal. Two hours would be ideal. Uh, we'll try. <laughs> we'll try. We'll do our best. We'll, we're not going to get there if we don't get started. So, what do you say we just go around the horn? Each of us pick an episode. I'm thinking I'll go episode one. Tom, you want to go episode two, and then uh, row three, John four. Are we comfortable well, with I that? Think, I think it's important to remember that the episodes are chronologically uh, numbered. 
So it, episode, yes. it, it is in yeah. episode one. That was actually going to be the first thing that I say about this that I really love. I love that so, they yeah, stop yeah. with that numbering system. So yeah. I guess what I meant to say yeah. was I'll review episode nine. Tom does episode 10. Roe does 11 and John does 12. Makes sense to me. Yeah, I guess We're so. all good with that. Yeah, I've got some stuff I can yeah. throw in for each episode, but yeah, sure, what, that'll work. Well, yeah, like I'm, what I mean by just one of us will just basically introduce it, and then we'll all talk about it. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. Yes, this is the way. Episode 9. Chapter 9, The Marshal. Uh, let's see, I'm trying to read a real short thing here. The Mandalorian and the child continue their journey, facing enemies and rallying allies as they make their way through the dangerous galaxy in a tumultuous era after the collapse of the Galactic Empire. That's what it says on, uh, looks, I think it's IMDb. Real short, it's basically the, uh, so, as we know, Mandalorian, at, at the end of season one, the Mandalorian is on a quest, quested to him by the the armor. I want to say the armor yeah, uh, to return the child to his people. So the first thing he does is I need help with this. So he's looking for other Mandalorians. Um, basically, we start off. We see a really cool fight with gun, with uh, Gamorreans. I thought that was cool. I love outstanding. The yes, yep. with uh, John Leguizamo um, as the uh, yes. dude. A really cool scene. Uh, great little moment there. He finds, oh, yeah, there's someone on Tatooine. So, yeah, so we find out, oh, there's possibly a Mandalorian on Tatooine. Everyone who's that knows who that must be. So we go there. We find a not Boba Fett. And uh, the adventures continue from there until the end of it, where we get to see the death of a really big-ass crate dragon. He gets Boba Fett's armor. And possibly, is that Boba Fett at the end of the episode? Dun-dun-dun. Thoughts and opinions. I really, really enjoyed this episode. It felt like a mini movie. If you take mm-hmm. off the whole section at the very beginning where he's basically tasked to find Jedi's and then take off that little epilogue where it shows Boba Fett, it could have been its own little story. I yeah. was, I mean, you didn't need anything other than that. And I think I'd have been satisfied, you know, for my Star Wars uh, itch for at least a couple months. Uh, a lot of people have given a lot of complaints about this uh, season, saying that every episode it felt like it was just a backdoor pilot for another spinoff. Now, I said that, but it wasn't ever a complaint. A lot of people, a lot of people have okay. used that as a complaint, though. Bad complaint. Stupid yeah, complaint. I was just saying, if we had it, an it's entire not wrong. series revolving it's not around wrong, TV but it's not a complaint. on Tatooine, I'd be happy watching that. Oh, my God, yeah. Anything to get Timothy Oliphant more work. He's yes. just one of those guys that makes everything he's in better. I agree. Uh, my only uh, real comment on this episode was, aside to, from echoing what Tom said, I love the fact in the first season you quickly realized, huh, it's kind of like a Western. And oh, this episode, yeah. they, and this episode, they went, no, no, it is a fucking Western. And they, they, like- they didn't. Yeah, they didn't like, like you can line skew it. They, they they steered into the curve basically. They well, like and, no, and this it, episode is a straight up western. Yeah, it's not even so much that it's just a western. It's that this is a western based on the spaghetti westerns and drawing inspiration for them, which in turn the spaghetti westerns draw drew inspiration from the um Kurosawa. The Kurosawa films. Which they and do this, pay tribute to later on in the series yeah, yes. as well, which, which we'll get to bring. In a big, big way. Full circle that it's it's paying tribute to both the original original source material and then the Western that was derived from that. Like, it, it is the scene where they're in the cantina and they're both, like, getting ready to slap leather is just so iconically for 
the old Ser- Sergio Leone's uh, spaghetti westerns. I will say I was a little. Uh, I will say I was a little disappointed that they skewed the crate dragon more towards a dune sandworm than in all the source material. It was more like a giant monitor lizard than uh, swims through the sand thing. That I don't know if that was a tribute to Dune or. I mean, I, I got it, but it, it wasn't that I, again, I was just happy that I got it. So, yeah, yeah. you know, I was like, okay, I knew it. I knew it. I was like, that's a crate dragon. And again, my wife, not knowing any of this stuff, because I'm totally nerding out with all of this stuff. I have to explain to her, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, oh my God, it's a crate dragon. So, yeah. Yeah. My son actually is going to point that out to me immediately. Yeah. And the fact that they, they actually mention the crate dragon pearl that you find in the gullet of crate dragons. And that was the big thing that the uh, the, the sand people wanted, and and the sand the scene with the sand people when they're doing the uh, they're showing the sand people talking and they have a gesture based language. Uh, in I read somewhere that they got somebody who was deaf yep. to help them build an interpretive sign language just for the sand. Yep, exactly. Um... Yeah, I, I, there's pretty much more I have to add to that. You guys have covered everything that I was that I was going to uh, to say about it. Um, I, I really like the fact that they had the crate dragon. The one thing that I think is pretty cool though is the fact that they're showing the sand people in a different light because up until this point they've always been shown as like barbarians and stuff like that. And here you have you have a situation where the sand people are and the, and the humans are actually like trying to work together and things like that, you know? Right. Well, again, it's, it's that callback to the Westerners. They're kind of, they're, they're mirroring the native American culture. Yeah. Well, uh, you just used the word that I wanted to bring up culture. San, the, the, the Tuscan writers, they never had any kind of representation. I hate to use that word, yeah. but you never really got to see what their culture was like, how they you did, but it was, only in the exp- it, it was only in the expanded universe books. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a Tales from Moss Eisley's Cantina series. I have and that. In one of the sh- <laughs> yeah, one of the short stories, they actually tell a, a story from the Sand People's view, and it talks about them being a very um, native culture. They have an oral tradition that's passed. Their histories are passed down through storytellers, and the the storykeeper of the village is the most important member of the tribe. And like when he's apprenticing, who will be the next storykeeper? Like the new storykeeper has to tell the story is exactly right. And if he gets one word wrong, the old storykeeper kills him on the spot and starts all over. That's deep. That's a hell of a learning curve. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, correct so, me if I'm wrong, right. when it showed them, did it show them walking in single file? It did. It did. It was a very nice little nod. So my only like knowledge outside of the original movies uh, of of the Sand People of uh, of their whole culture was there was actually a comic book series made by Dark Horse that came out right after, I want to say it was right after episode one. And it focused heavily on the Jedi uh, Kayati Mundi. And there was a story arc where he actually ends up going on Tatooine and interacting with them, the Tusken Raiders. And he actually takes on an apprentice, uh, a Padawan that was actually a like a son of a former Jedi who embraces the culture and becomes a member of the Sand People, then dies. So then he takes him as a as, as a Padawan. Obviously, it's no longer canon. All that kind of got wiped away with yeah. the whole Disney purchase. But that was my like first introduction of like the deeper deeper history and background. That's why I heard about. That's why I found out the whole like the importance of the Gaffy Stick. Like the Gaffy Stick is like they're a really important part of their whole culture. Like they're born, they're given one. And that's like their Gaffy Stick right. their whole life kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, only last thing I want to add to this episode because I do want to. 
kind of cover one little one quick little nod. Uh, this episode was actually direct, directed by none other than John Favreau. John Favreau himself directed this episode. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think that's pretty You're good. We're gonna move on to. What was that, John? I said, praise be to him, the savior of Star Wars. Hallowed be thy name. All right. uh, I say we move on to Tom. All right. So we now have chapter 10, The Passenger. Uh, Basically, this was the episode where the Internet finally turned against Baby Yoda. Because in order to find the Mandalorians. What's that? No. But in order to find the uh, extra Mandalorians, he had to get uh, this frog lady to her home planet because her husband has already set up a homestead there. He has had contact with Mandalorians, but she has eggs that are ready to hatch. They are very, very delicate. She has to carry them everywhere, and you can't use hyperspace because if they get jostled, they will die in the eggs. I, not to not to clarify, I don't think they were ready to hatch. I think that they need no, to be they fertilized. Were unfertilized. That was the big thing. Was yeah. they were unfertilized eggs. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Which that's you know why how, that's uh, why the internet needs to get egg, off. If you know how fish and frogs are eggs are fertilized, that's not a great visualization with the characters. Yeah, but yeah, I don't want to think about that part. Yeah, yeah, but moving on, they had to go through. Uh, they couldn't go with hyperspace because the eggs are so delicate and these were the, their last opportunities to have children. Her bloodline was going to die unless these were hatched. And baby Yoda turns out that uh, he's a bit of an asshole. He's trying to eat as many of her children before they're born as he can. Does he's an apex predator? He is. Well, they uh, get flagged by a couple of uh uh, what is it? New Republic X-Wings now uh, for not having their registration out or something like that or having a taillight broken or whatever the Star Wars version of a petty. Uh, <laughs> yeah, good yeah. term. <laughs> you know, and so rather than uh, show them uh, the registration, he, you know, t- you know, burns ass and tries to get away from them. And then ends he turns up into an episode of Cops. Basically, uh, crash lands on an ice planet, falls through into a cave. Good news is that the X-Wings, uh, they kind of, you know, piss off. Bad news is it turns out that they're surrounded by these spider things. Wait, not be spiders. And the way that you uh, find out is Din Djarin and Baby Yoda follow the uh, uh, frog lady, find her naked in some kind of hot spring, and Baby Yoda goes to eat one of the spider uh, mother's eggs, and she's not having any of that. They uh, attack the uh, ship, and just when you think all hope is lost, in comes the X-Wings, blows them all to hell. They acknowledge that they know who he is. They acknowledge that uh, he helped with the escape of some uh, criminals the last season, but he risked his life to uh, get that criminal captured again, and they just looked the other way. That's yeah. about Yeah, that's about the episode, right? Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah, it's a broad strokes. It was basically like like in the first episode of the season, it was, hey, let's just do a straight up Western. This episode was, I kind of want to do Alien. Yeah. (laughs) I I think that's fair, but I'm also going to say that this is probably my least favorite episode of the entire series. If I have to pick an episode to be my least least favorite of the season, yes, I'm afraid this is my least favorite episode. It felt like a... Cut this out and... 
Not really. There's a reason why you can't. What's that? There's a reason why you can't. Um, and the reason why is those two star- those two X-wing pilots apparently are supposed to be in the new series Rangers of the of the New Republic. So, I heard that as a rumor, but I didn't I didn't hear any confirmation on that. But they they also make a appearance in one of the later episodes. Yes, they uh, yeah, because he uh, one of those guys is the one that shows up and tosses the badge down in the later episode. So, yeah, but you could have had any particular. You didn't have to have those specific X-wing pilots showing up. Well, you I. The re- they they did that. I'm I'm glad that they did do that though because it shows continuity, and it shows you know it gives you an establishment of characters within this world because those characters are going to be repeating characters. Okay, now you understand. Okay, these guys are the local like this is their beat. This is their local law enforcement. This is their area here. So when they pop up, you're like, oh, okay, I know who these guys are now. So. Uh, like I put, said, it's it's an episode of cops. Yeah, this it's is, it's yeah. Like they're they're okay, driving around. But, oh, got a call. We got to go. Yeah. Did this season? Did this story have any real huge implications on the rest of this particular season? No, not really. No, it was a. Side, That's why I'm saying it wasn't needed. It wasn't you needed, but you, you know, know what? what? I'll still take was? it. Yeah, yeah it, it's not that it was a bad episode. To be clear, I'm not saying oh, yeah, like, yeah. I didn't like this. Episode. I'm just saying it was not. It was the worst out of this. A, a great season. It was the least great episode. Um, my, only, my only minor complaint about it is in a show that we're only getting eight episodes of a year and eight episodes got to get by for a year. I, I don't want any filler. I want every episode to have a little more of an impact. And this episode came off of a, fin, a phenomenal first episode. So it got your millennium, it got your, uh, it got your momentum up and then it kind of continued a little bit. Uh, again, not a bad episode. And this one was directed by Peyton Reed. See, how I feel about this episode is it reminds me of the X-Files back in the 90s. And it was, you would have, you would have episodes that advanced the meta plot. And then you would have filler episodes. And then you would have creature of the week episodes. And the reason you would have those creature of the week episodes is because they would budget out what they needed for the meta plot episodes. And then with whatever budget is left, they'd go, okay. We've got this much budget. We've got this much filming time. We need a creature feature episode that we can film in like three locations this day and not spend a dime over this amount. And that is exactly what this episode felt like. It was like, okay, we need, we, we, we budgeted eight episodes. We used a lot of that money in other episodes. So we got to do something cheap. Now, one thing that is neat about this episode, I'm not sure where the artwork comes from. Um, you guys might know, know a little more than I do, but I actually, but yeah, the design, yeah. yeah okay, this, okay, this that's where it came from. Because I knew this design came from, like, it was an unused scene from another movie. I wasn't sure where. Yeah, it was uh, concept art for artwork for the original Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, they were supposed to be in Dagobah, and those, those white knobby spiders actually have showed up in the role-playing game, and I believe the comic books as well. But um, the last time I saw those was in, um, well, it was in, I don't know about the new iteration of the role-playing game, but it's in the previous version of the role-playing game, the one that John It was in hates. at least the D20 version. Yeah, it was, I believe it was in both D20 versions of it. So when they popped up on the screen, I was like, oh my God, white knobby spiders. And if, But they were supposed to be on Dagobah originally, and they moved them to this ice planet, which to me felt kind of strange, but I was like, all right, whatever. Again, this is one of those deep cut fan tribute services that I, I I like this stuff. You know, I'm like, okay, I know what that is, but 
it, the show, the the thing that I like about The Mandalorian is it rewards you for being a deep Star Wars geek. Oh, yeah, yeah. There There is some yes. really deep, uh, like, lore cuts. Yeah, and it does it in a way that if you're not a Star Wars deep geek, it's not going to be that big of a deal to you. But if you're a Star Wars like if you live, breathe, and eat Star Wars, and you've you know, and you've read all of the books and stuff like that, there's these little nods to those people, which I really appreciate. You know, there's like those white knobby spiders, the sand troopers walking in line, the crate dragon with the pearl. Like most, the average Star Wars fan probably isn't going to know about the pearl. Yeah, I I didn't even know about the pearl, Mike. But yeah, that's that's pretty much everything I could think of to say about that episode because it really the only thing that. The only significance that really came out of it was to see those two X-Wing pilots for show continuity. But on the most part, yeah, you're right. It wasn't really – it wasn't well, really – that and the Razor Crest getting sucked because that was going to be a plot point for the next couple of episodes. Yeah, because yeah, in order for that to happen, you know, it basically needed to be fucked over so it leads into the next episode, which uh, – all right, Ro, why don't you go ahead and talk about uh, episode 11? The that was the only thing that really stuck out of me when that one was the really funny thing about him about playing with his food and of course Bo-Katan. We finally got to have live action Bo-Katan, which was Katie Sackoff, which was the person who voiced it in the Rebels cartoon. Um, thought that was a great payoff. Katie Sackoff looking incredibly hot as always. Um, doing a very good live action, which made perfect sense because a she's got the acting chops. Um, B she voiced the character, so she already knows the character because she's played the character before. It was strange for me. It wasn't bad. It was just strange seeing this person that you see in the Rebels cartoon with that voice, and then you see them live, and there's this weird, there was this weird joint, this disjointed disconnect. It was kind of strange to a certain extent. Um, the funny thing that stuck out to me was when Grogu was sitting there eating his chowder, and the little squid thing was like jumping all the place, and like Din's just like talking, and he reaches over with the knife and he like pokes it off of his face all casually and stuff like that. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, I do like the, um, as with all of these episodes, I was going to bring this up later, but I'll bring it up now. The amount of, um, excuse me, the amount of detail and again, fan service that they put into these episodes, each one of these really does feel like a miniature movie. You've got the Quarren in the background. You've got the Mon Calamarian that was wearing a sweater from, I can't remember where, but it was JC Penney's. Yeah. Yeah. It was wearing one of those sweaters, which was, it was funny. You know, I was like, okay, that was a screw up, but Hey, it was funny. Um, well, but, I mean, like, it's not screw up. It's if you need costuming, like the way costuming works is, okay, we want these guys to look like they're from an Irish fishing village yeah. on like the the, the, and, the edge of Great Britain. So and, like, and, and it, it felt like to me, like it didn't even, I don't think they bought it. It felt to me like they said, hey, can someone just bring in, no, seriously, it'll be funny. Just bring in a sweater yeah. from home. It'll, it'll, we'll make it work. Yeah. And that that is a lot of time how these costumes start. So it just and and I'm on the I'm on the uh, replica prop forum because I just love people who people who lovingly recreate props because I will never have the free time and disposable income to do it. And how how excited they were to find out that it's like, oh, if somebody wants to make this costume, all they have to do is go to JCPenney's and get this sweater for 30 bucks. Yeah. But um, what I was saying um, is the fact that. um they put so much energy and detail with the costumes and the way the sets look and like nothing about these shows feels cheap. I, I will say like, this season, they definitely stepped it up with the special effects and the budget and the way things look and everything um, over the last season. Like, you, Oh yeah. There's a big special one that we'll get to on the last episode. 
But at no point when I'm watching these shows does it ever feel like I'm watching a television show. Like, you you get used to watching certain sci-fi shows and stuff like that. You okay, this is a television show. This is why it looks that way. When I'm right. watching The Mandalorian, at no point ever do I look at this and feel like I'm watching a television show. I feel like every episode is like a movie because they put that much work into detail and just mm-hmm. the overall whole feel of it. And even though, like, this episode, like, like, they were on the water world and they had the ships on there and... Just everything about these episodes, the like, detail and work they're putting into them is fantastic. The scene where they lift the Razor Crest out of the ocean and the way it lands, the way it rocks, the feeling that it has mass, the way the water moves off of it yeah. is it, – except for the fact that we can – we can cognize cogn- – we can – we can say <laughs> – <laughs> we can be cognizant of the fact that this is a spaceship and we know it doesn't exist. However, it's every detail about its movement is perfect. Even the the AT-AT in the background with the crane on it to lift the Razor Crest yeah. out of the water. You know, like, it's the little things about that that these episodes that I'm watching and I'm going, wow, this is this is amazing. Like, they put a lot of work in this to make it work, you know, to, to, to mm-hmm. make every episode is that way. Yeah. Yeah, um, aside from the fact that, yeah, I, I, I think you pretty much covered it. I mean, that, it was a good episode. I love the intro. We got to see Katie Sackhoff. We got to see Mandalorians. But the big thing, the big takeaway from this episode is we get the answer to the question that people have been asking since the first season. What's the deal with the helmet? Yeah, why is it he makes such a big deal about taking that helmet off, yet I've seen the cartoon. I've seen Bo-Katan taking her helmet off all the time. I've seen that in uh, in uh, Rebels, uh, the, the uh, Satine took her helmet off all the time. It's not that big of a deal, but they're acting like if they take their helmet off, they can't be a Mandalorian anymore. Well, now we find out. They're basically like an extremist version of a Mandalorian. Like a, Din Djarin and his, his people, the Armorer, they are hardcore Orthodox Mandalorians. Whereas Bo-Katan, she belongs to a less strict sect. Are you they're, saying that? The Church He's of the Latter-day Mandalorian, Westboro Baptist version of yeah. Mandalorians. No, 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 no. no. They're way they're like... too literally and too far. Yeah. Well, no, I th- I'd say like they're traditional Orthodox, either Christian or Jewish, and then uh, Katie Stackoff's um, Bo-Katans. They're like the Church of the Latter-day Mandalore, or uh, <laughs> basically, <laughs> I look at it as in Mandalores. They own, they're really only like a, a life day and empire day Mandalorian. You know, I think the Mandalorian is like a Christ, like a Catholic who still doesn't eat meat on Friday kind of thing. Right, right. It's like, you know, are you old school pre-Vatican Latin, uh, pre-Vatican Catholic? Are you uh, Vatican II Reformation Catholic? Are you newfangled uh, tambourine waving Catholic? There's many, many gradations of it. Wow, that's deep. Well, all I know is uh, we might see we might see Din Djarin have to convert a little bit, and we'll cover that in the, in a few episodes from now. So, uh, I say, John, why don't you lead us off into chapter well, twelve? There's there's one more thing I want to bring up about this episode. Um, in the scene where they steal the ship, um, first of all, you've got uh, Titus Welliver as the captain of the the ship they're stealing, which um, he's in that show Bosch on Amazon. He's just a phenomenal actor. Like, you're really one of those gravitas actors. And, like, the scene of them taking the ship and 
him choosing to essentially suicide himself rather than reveal the information of what where Moth Gideon is, we're starting to see this fanatical devotion to the Empire that is something that's really not seen in anywhere in the movies. Like we see the the Imperials as, you know, stand in Germans, but like we've never seen that fanatical devotion to the Empire that we see in the rebels. And now we're starting to see that these people who are the remnants of the empire who are hanging on because they are the hardest of the hardest core believers. And those are the people that Moff Gideon is bringing to himself. The people who have people who have this empire or death mentality. And that's something that comes up in other episodes. I think also the point you brought up about that actor, you know the the guy that playing that that command role in there, he was a really good actor for that part, and it goes again to show how much detail that like this is a guy that he's obviously dead by the end of the episode, so he's kind of a toss away oh. character. Yeah, but he but, played but, that character like a, really well. Like you, yeah, when, yeah you, you know, got a a super hardcore, like very professional actor to play a role with five minutes of screen time. Exactly. And he did it really well. Whereas I think most television shows, he'd be like, you know what? You're going to be a throwaway villain. You're not going to be on the scene very long. Just, you know, we'll just get whoever we can get to put into this part. But they're, they've done this multiple times on this show where they've gotten really good actors to play even the smallest roles. To, you know, mm-hmm. people that are really in the long run going to be insignificant. They're going to be on the show for a few minutes and they're going to die or whatever. But like John that Lake guy. Yeah. So you've got these people that are playing these really good, these really good actors that are playing these minuscule roles that are playing them really well. Again, it goes back to like being in a movie. It's those little details that make me on the whole love this show even more. It's just that extra little bit. And plus, like you can tell the people that they're getting in these roles really are happy that they're there. They're taking it very serious. They're taking it as an honor. You know, they're not they're they're not they're not fucking around when they do this show, you know? Yeah, it, it's kinda of, it's kinda of like what Marvel did I, ten years ago, where it was, you know, all these super high caliber actors started realizing that Marvel was a juggernaut. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, Oh yeah. You want me to come in and play like a 10 minute role? Yeah, sure. I'll, 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 we'll get Anthony Hopkins to play Odin. We'll get um, uh, Robert Redford to play the bad guy in The Winter Soldier. I, I think it's probably a result of two different things. One, let's face it, Star Wars has been a major part of the culture for 40 years. And I'm willing to bet it's a part that the overwhelming majority of people that are involved in movie making have grown up loving. So given the opportunity, of course, they're going to jump at uh, a tiny role. My counter argument to that is Mm -hmm. not to cut you off is we've just gone through a bad stream, a bad chapter in the history of Star Wars movies. I mean, say what you will, but the majority, a vast majority of the people thought that those movies were shit. So Star Wars name is kind I, of I, I would now. disagree with you on that yeah. one, but that's a whole different subject. I would say that's vocal minority versus silent majority. Because yes. you know what? You don't make $3 billion on a movie that everybody hates. Well, again... We're all Star Wars. Star Wars could shit on a shingle. You know, okay, there is an exception. I did not watch the Lego Star Wars movie this year. Um, oh, the Lego Star the most Wars part, special? Yeah, I didn't watch it. No, but for the most part, I mean, we're no, Star like same thing with Marvel. They could release shit on a shingle, and we're gonna be like, "Yep, we got to go see it." You know, 
Like we we've heard we've been told this movie's bad. We know what we're going into, but we're still going to go see it because it's Star Wars. You don't make three so, billion dollars without repeat viewings, though. Yeah, you you uh, you like. I hated the Last Jedi. I still saw it three times because it was beautiful. Like it had beautiful the, moments for in it. all the faults of the plot. There are moments of almost perfect cinema in it, and it's you do you do you throw the whole thing out because you don't like part of it, or do you embrace the parts of it you like, or just shit on everything because there's parts of it you don't like? And that, I did embrace the parts that I like. Yeah, that, that movie is actually on my weird to do list. Like I started watching, I started rewatching uh, uh, the Force Awakens the other night. So I'm like, you know what? I have been shitting on the second and third movie in that trilogy. I love Force Awakens, but I've been shitting on the other two. But it occurred to me, I've never rewatched either one of them. I saw them both in the theater the one time, and that was the only yeah. time I've ever watched any of them. So I'm trying to build myself up to uh, giving both, giving basically all three of them a rewatch. Yeah. So, but back to the original uh, thought, the other reason why I think you're going to have plenty of people who, at least on camera, are willing to take really tiny roles is because how many eyes are going to be on this thing? Especially if you have a character actor who is known primarily for being on a, a show on Amazon and for being uh, the man in black on Lost. He's a, mm-hmm. he's a character actor, but he's not really that well known. Well, mm-hmm. this ups his profile significantly. So I think that has yes. a lot to do with why you're going to see a lot of somewhat familiar faces on this show and the others that are going to be on Disney. All right, so, John, take it over for the next episode. So, uh, episode 12, or excuse me, chapter 12, The Siege. Uh, Din Djarin returns to Navarro for repairs and is kind of kind of hoodwinked into doing a job for uh, um, the head of the guild, whose name I can't remember, so we'll just call him Apollo. Apollo Wilders. Yeah. <laughs> Carl, Apollo Carl. Creed. <laughs> I want you. I want the Mandalorian. <laughs> uh, Carl Weathers also directed this episode. And I forgot to yes, mention Bryce, Bryce, uh, Bryce Tellis Howard uh, directed episode or chapter 11, the height, the heiress. Um, so he agrees. Uh, the Mandalorian agrees to help him clear out a, a not so abandoned Imperial Imperial garrison. Um, and like calling back to guest stars, uh, this returns Horatio Sands character of the blue guy who was in the very first episode. Uh, we find he's working off his debt by uh, being a kind of administrative assistant to Carl Weathers' character. Uh, we also see that, you know, with the Imperial presence gone, uh, Navarro's kind of having a little uh, renaissance or re... re I don't know what you call it, but they're, they're, they've got the old bar where the shootout happened is now a school. I prefer to think of that as gentrification, but go ahead. Gentrification. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, it's going to happen to Moss Eisley eventually. The, the hipsters are going to come in. The rent rates are going to go up and they're going to make they're going to make uh, Watto's Cantina into a, uh, a like craft beer bar. Uh, but yeah, th- so this episode we see them go to this imperial um, imperial installation, and there's the obligatory chase scene that you just know somebody is setting up to be the next ride at Star Wars Galaxies. Um, that scene where they're in, they're in the the hover transport, and it it's oh well you take the gun, and then they're shooting at Tie Fighters, and then the gun gets taken out, and then it's just a 
a chase scene. But you know what? That's Star Wars. And I'm okay with it. Yeah. You know, it was fine. Um, And then there were two big, like, reveals of this episode. Uh, This is where we got to see the clone tanks, where the failed clones were, and the fact that they were using... The reason they wanted the child was they needed a donor blood with a high M count. You you can't see me doing the air quotes around M count, but so we're we're not going to say midichlorian because we, we, we all know that what trigger, they meant. That triggers people. Yeah, and then and, that, and, that, and actually that was a very clever move on their part to have right. it without saying it. And then at the very end, we see Moff Gideon on his flagship, and just briefly we see the dark troopers. Um, the red wire, blue wire thing was cute and funny. Grogu in the school. Uh, they, oh God! I immediately had flashbacks to my father yelling at me when I didn't know the difference between a flathead and a Phillips head. No, my my, my favorite dig of the episode was Horatio Sands' character making the point out of why there aren't safety rails on anything in the Imperial Institute. Yep. Yep, that was a great callback. Yeah, it's like it's like I could just fall off here. Yep. Yep. Also, there was another callback there that if you were a viewer of Rebels, the base itself from the front, the way that it was angled, the the outposts that were in the show Rebels, there was a couple on there that looked just like that. There was an episode where Ezra was using the force to make a, 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 an ATST walk off of an edge and everything. And they kept that similar, the same base design on the side of that mountain there. So that's another little callback. Uh, one of the... One of the bases um, in Rogue One, uh, when they're on the the planet where it was raining, also has that kind of design yep. aesthetic. There's a there's actually a really neat, and I did not catch this. I actually I watch after every episode, I, I would watch like a little YouTube video where they showed oh, yeah, Easter eggs. Yeah, uh, a really neat Easter egg when uh, Grogu was in the classroom, you know, trying to steal the little green cookies. Um, there's a moment where the teacher is talking about the how the new the new like home yeah no the new home base of the new republic and i forget the name of the planet but the planet that they name is actually a callback to the it's the home world of mon mothma yep oh okay that's the new the new base of the uh which eventually as we find out in in canon gets destroyed later on but i thought that was a neat little uh neat little callback did anybody catch the Wilhelm scream when the stormtrooper fell off into the lava pit? Yes. Yep. Chandrilla. That's yeah. That's the name of the planet, which is something that, that in in the expanded universe, that's a planet that's mentioned a lot. But it was good to hear that that got a shout out. Uh, all in all, this was a, uh, just a fun episode. This was it moved the it moved the plot. And, it uh, it's one of the better scenes I've seen in the series, if I may yep. say. Yeah, and this also they set up that they put while they were fixing his ship, one of the techs on the planet put a tracking device in it, which will come back around later. Yep. All right. Uh, any other comments on Chapter Twelve: The Siege? No, I think that's pretty. I want to see more from Carl Weathers as a director. Yes, I, 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 I would say that, but I really want to see what he can. That do. was my only disappointment. Was he only directed the one episode? Yeah. And he actually, this is the only episode he appears in, isn't it? I think he's the only episode he actually is in. Yeah, you know, he was season. pretty. Yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, he was. He played a good part in the last season, yeah. the beginning and then the end. Um, 
yeah, I thought it was just a good. Yeah, I agree. I'd love to see more Carl Weathers, and I'd love to see more of uh, what was it, uh, jeans and shirt guy? What the, that was all over the internet for about <laughs> for a few minutes. Like, oh, like, I, was I, I, I was one of the many people who did not catch it, but I, I had to immediately go back, and that, this was like one of the only episodes I rewatched because uh, I had to go watch it to watch that scene. So, yep, there he is. I did. I didn't yeah, catch well, it in the first fortunately, watch. Fortunately, they they edited him out digitally. After it was pointed out, uh, Disney yeah. went back and changed the episode to remove him. So uh, there were there were people there were people who came up with cosplays for him. Yeah. They had a cardboard wall that obscured half of them, and then had his his uh, shorts and jean or jeans. Make like a fake uh, a toy of him because every Star Wars character has to get a toy. Yep, yep, and like on the old Kenner cardboard backings. Yep. Yeah, that was the only thing. That, that that's that will probably be the the thing that that episode gets remembered for the most. Unfortunately, a good solid episode, but that's the moment everyone was going to remember. The Gene Short guy. It's fine, in my opinion. I don't care. It's funny, you know. Whatever these, it was these funny. things it's, happen. What was the big thing? Uh, I'm not a big fan of uh, uh, what's that uh, fantasy HBO show that just wrapped up recently? Game, uh, of, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Was it the yeah, episode they had it was a Starbucks cup in one yeah. episode? Yeah. Kind of like that, you know, just funny little things that do happen because people have got to remember these shows are shows with made by people in present day world. Schedules that you don't have to deal with on sometimes people don't catch something, it happens, right? All right, uh, I guess it's back around to my turn. We're doing great on time so far, we're halfway through the season, we're doing great, guys. Uh, moving on to chapter 13, The Jedi. So, uh as we forgot to mention, so at the end of chapter three, we actually get the, the big the big thing that we didn't talk about, which was uh, you know the big name drop of uh, Ahsoka Tano, and a lot of people went, oh oh she's going to be in the next episode, she's going to be in the next episode, and then people quickly pointed out uh, Dave Filoni himself doesn't direct the next episode; he directs the episode thirteen, and that's when okay, so we're not going to get Ahsoka Tano until that's going to be the episode because it has to be. Dave Filoni created the character. It has to be him. And sure enough, we got it. And uh, I was afraid, oh, we're going to have to wait until like the last couple minutes and maybe we'll get a cool moment. No, we get Ahsoka Tano at the opening scene. We get get to see Ahsoka Tano being Ahsoka Tano before the credits roll, before the, before that great like music starts in this show. Um, we get to see the, uh, we get, we get the final, the, the answer that a lot of people have been wondering is best. It can Beskar steel stop a lightsaber. Now I'm not familiar with old Canon, but I don't, is any, I don't know if anybody is, uh, is that a thing from old Canon or was that was always kind of thing that was kind of like question, but never answered. Beskar doesn't exist in the old legends canon. There was there was a a a mineral called cortosis that they would make armor out of, and that could stop lightsabers. But Beskar doesn't. Yeah, yeah, Beskar doesn't exist until new canon. Yep. So that is a big thing that kind of got like immediately overshadowed by the fact that we also finally get the name of the child we don't yeah we're always going to call him baby yoda and i still find myself calling him baby yoda but we finally get his name grogu which i hmm. thought was okay like okay I, I guess for some reason i thought for sure it was going to begin with a y because of yoda and then yaddle like the other member right. that's kind of forgotten i thought it was going to be like i don't know yoga or something 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 y related <laughs> right. um but no, this is cute. I like it. I'm glad it's different. I'm glad it's not it's just a playoff. It's growing on me. 
yeah, it's taken a little time, but it is growing on me. We eventually we will be Grogu, but for now he's going to be Baby Yoda. Right. Um, and again, this is another one of those kind of like Western style stories, you know, the no, evil. No, this was a samurai. Oh, yeah, samurai all the way. Yes. Okay. Yeah, this is that's what like, I was, okay. That's what I was kind of leaning towards. Like I was thinking like Western based off samurai, but no, you're right. It is a straight. Well, there's samurai, a scene. There's a even the fighting scene. in the end. There's a yeah, direct this is almost where... you, uh, the 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 film you Jimboed like shot for shot. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That's what I was going to oh, say. You know, I I did see like a little YouTube thing where they did like comparisons of the two. Uh, this might be. I don't know if I'm going to say this is my favorite episode of the season, but it's definitely a contender. This is. I'll a... say it. Oh it yeah. May not have my favorite moments of the season, but from start to finish, this is my favorite episode. Yeah. Excellent payoff. Yeah, and the yes. payoff of the yes, and, and the end too. The actual name dropping of Grand Admiral Thrawn, which yes. is a huge payoff. Tom, I know you finally started watching the Clone Wars cartoon. I don't know where you're at. Are you into Rebels yet? No, I am watching it with my wife, and she's currently working sixty hours a week, so we only get to watch it a couple nights, you know, a week. We are probably about halfway through season two at this at this uh, recording. Okay, so you're actually the part where, in my opinion, it starts getting really good. I would agree. So far, it's been a rough slog. Yeah, it, the first season was it, the first first yeah. season was very kid friendly, but it gets the show gets more mature as it goes yeah, along. The show, the, oh, the, old, yeah, we're the only get into my favorite moment of this series, the only uh, even continuously, like I love the show, but I still there's those like like Padme heavy episodes where, and this is nothing against the character of Padme, but they were like, oh, we got a two part. Padme story where she's going to be dealing with senators and politics and shit. And like, there's a couple of them like that that are, okay, can I just get some clones again? Can we just do another episode? It's just clones. And then the clone heavy, clone heavy episodes are my favorite of that series. There's a really good one. Okay. okay, I'm going to stop myself because I don't want to, I will spend a half hour talking about clone wars. Uh, But yeah, the huge payoff of, and I mean, Tom, you already know who Grand Animal Thrawn is. I mean, he's actually, yeah, he picked up in the rebels, but he was a big part of the old book series. Even I, who've never read an actual book knew who Grand Admiral Thrawn was. And this is when everyone started saying, oh, they got to do an Ahsoka show. They got to do an Ahsoka show. How can you have this episode and not pick up this storyline and do an Ahsoka show? Well, they had already announced. Yeah, I was going to say, they had already announced the Ahsoka show. No, they did not. No, they did not. No, they they were rumored. It was heavily rumored. There was a lot of people saying it. Everything about this entire season, except for one big payoff, had completely leaked before even one episode aired. Right. Mm-hmm. Like all, all like the show was her show was not officially announced until just before the season finale. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to cast an actor of that caliber and right. put her in that episode and give her that much screen time, you know, you, you, you just knew it was coming, you know, now I'm going to say, I'm going to put this out there. I'm probably going to catch a lot of flack for this. I'm not 100% sold on her, on Rosario Dawson playing Ahsoka. I'll take it. I'll gladly take it. And I'll ride it out and see where it goes. But I don't, I don't know if I'm sold on her playing that character or not. I think part of it is, is because in the Rebels show um, and in Clone Wars, she was such a younger character. So this is her older right. now. And I'm not used to, and this is probably the way well, she I mean, should in- act. So. In Rebels, she was much older. I mean, Rebels, she acted and felt like an older character. Yeah. So this is the next evolution of it. And I think I just need time to get used to that evolution. But she does. She looks the part. She does. She does the battles very well. She's got the movements down. 
I mean, she is spot on for it. And I, I just, it's again, it's that transition from, from animation to live action that yeah. kind of jars me a little bit. And, and yes, there's a, there's a few people who immediately complain that her mantras, I think that's the name of her, like her, her headpiece. Yeah, yes, there were some people. Jake, because, are you saying that Star Wars fans were complaining about something petty and non-relevant? I know it's the first time, Tom. I never ever. Some people have a thing about that, but then like it was quickly quickly explained. Like, yeah, it can look what what looks good on a cartoon doesn't work good when you have like a real person. You know, she's doing a lot of work, and her her stunt double is doing a lot of this work. I think that they actually said that they tried having a bigger one, but it kept getting caught on stuff. Like, you know, you 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 can't really like almost horn like things on top of her head. Uh, yeah. And have it look good on on screen. So it might even look good for like her like her talking and walking around and stuff. But it's got it's got to be functional for her to do all the Jedi stuff. That makes stuff. perfect sense. Do you want? Yeah. Do you want Ahsoka, Yeah, I was gonna say. Do you want Ahsoka Tana to look really awesome standing still, or yeah. do you want her to look really awesome doing Jedi kickflips yeah. and lightsaber? Yeah, I right? want the I Jedi that. shit. Mm-hmm. I want her doing fucking great, you know, great samurai shit. Uh, just a great episode and uh, great callbacks to like just li- a minor little thing like where she puts her two lightsabers together and then pulls them off like that, like that little effect, which she did a couple times in the cartoon, which I don't quite understand the science behind it, but I don't care. It looks awesome. Like all those little things were just, this episode was, and there's a lot of these little love letter moments to the fans. I think, I think, I think Rose said at the beginning, like this show was made for, this is a, is a huge reward to people who are fans of the, of the series. This and was the not, big and Not for nothing. But we get to see Michael Bean die in another franchise. I was just about to make that. It's like we got to see Michael yep. Bean die in another sci-fi franchise. You know, for one second there, I thought, oh, he's actually going to – no. No, no. <laughs> now <laughs> that he, he's not. The chick that she got the spear from the 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 uh, I'll 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 be non politically correct and say the bitch fight which was great. Um, that chick is actually from uh, she's Dothmar she's from Dothmar she's from the, from the planet where the Dothmar witches are from. She's been in, oh, really yeah she's been mentioned in the series before. I can't remember where, but she does have a backstory that goes into uh, in, in Star Wars past. She's I believe she's like Gideon. She was a minor character that was mentioned or brought up in other stories before. I'm not sure if they were pre-new canon or not but she does have a significant um there's there's backstory to that character but she yeah she was she was from Darth Mari but she's not she wasn't a Darth Mari witch um probably only the hardcore fans know what the hell I'm talking about well no because they were they the Darth Mar the those witches were the ones that brought um they brought uh Maul back to life so yeah. people should know who well, she that's is that's a planet where that's a planet where Darth Maul's from yeah so she does have like again that's one of those little this the little piece that they've pulled into the puzzle. I really love how how these two guys are going back like, when, like myself when Star, when Disney bought Star Wars they said all right all those books and stuff those are now Star Wars legends. That's those are those aren't canon anymore. And these two guys came along and said, "You know what? No, there's stuff in there that we liked that the fans liked yeah, like Thrawn." Yeah, they, well, you know? they're Disney very picking said, their favorite parts. Yeah, Disney said that Everything that existed before is legends. However, all the new writers had license to go back and mine anything they thought would be useful out of the old canon and bring it into the new. Which is which, that if is that means if that so means yeah, we get seeing, things like Thrawn, then let them all yeah. through. Which I am super excited. Well, we'll talk about in our Mandalorian after the Mandalorian, but we when we get into the new movie announcements, like. Oh my God, the Rogue Squadron movie. I'm going to have some stuff to say about that. Yeah. Mm. All right. Moving on. Tom, 
let's go let's let's go into uh chapter 14 well before we do that we have to kind of touch on a couple things from chapter 12 where yeah. danger jarin is saying hey okay here you know i've got to you know hand this kid off, off to a jedi he has to be trained and you know ahsoka's like fuck that i'm not training him if you want <laughs> you can go to this uh planet Sit him on a little stone, see if you can make contact with another Jedi, but you're on your own, pal. Because those cuts are still deep in her. Yeah, because yeah. she's like, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah, not a Jedi. Things, she, She's got reason. Like, she she, she already forsaked the Jedi, you know, the Jedi uh, order. And well, last say, time, you know, last time she had not a Jedi. Yeah. So, no, his quest wasn't over. And she also did what nope. she did because she didn't say it, but she was making reference to Anakin. Because, you know, all of the things there, yes. which she didn't actually say it. But again, if you're a Star Wars nerd and you're a Star Wars geek, you know what was going. That was that was excellent dialogue because so many things were said without being said. Excellent writing. This show is mastering the art of subtlety. It really, really is. Yes. And again, it shows again the acting that went into it. Like you you could tell what was going on there. Like you knew that she was dealing. She was still thinking about the whole Anakin mm-hmm. thing, you know. And she's like, exactly. like, fuck you, I'm not training him, but, you know, go here, do this. But, yeah, he's he's too far gone. Wait, I can't help him at this point. Because she's got her own mission and stuff. You know, you, again, this is this is foreshadowing, like, what's coming down the road for her. So, yeah, I, I, I agree. You're spot on with all that. So, Din takes a Grogu to an old planet called Tython, home of the ruins of an ancient Jedi temple. Sets him down on a seeing stone, and Grogu's just kind of sitting there up does until look, the point does where. Does this look Jedi to you? What's that? Does this look Jedi to you? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, that was fun. Well, yep. nothing's happening, and right when Slave One enters the frame and. And all says, okay, kid, us. we got to get going. That's oh, my God, the nerd boner I got. Is, I saw yeah. a slave the, the moment all four of us went, Hold, what? <laughs> yeah, I just didn't know yeah. what he yeah. was there for. I mean, well, I think we, I think I we all thought that. All right, we're going to see a fight. Back. Oh, I knew we were going to see a fight. I just didn't know what the context of the fight was going to be about. Oh, for the yeah. armor. Well, yeah, I thought it was going to be. I didn't know if maybe... Moff Gideon had a bounty out on uh, the ship with that tracking uh, device. Maybe that's what he was coming for. I, I didn't know for sure until they started talking. And sure enough, it's not uh, anything to do with Moff Gideon. He just wants his old ship back. And, you know, they're sitting there talking, and all of a sudden you start seeing just wave upon wave of stormtroopers come in. And I... I know that you guys probably saw this meme. I can't remember where I posted it. If it was in our uh, group chat on old nerds on Jake and Tom, but I posted that little uh, meme where it had like a disheveled looking Mark Hamill just holding a cup of blue milk. And the caption said me after watching episode 14, spending years talking shit about Boba Fett and then having to realize <laughs> I kind of like him. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. sums my feelings up to this episode because I was one of those people that it's like, okay, Boba Fett, he's all image. Super no overrated. Yeah. It's not even a character. Cool. It's an image. Yeah. He looks cool, but he gets his ass kicked by a blind smuggler. With a stick. Yeah. He basically gets luck, you know, by sheer luck, he gets he gets killed. Like what a lame uh, yeah. character. Well, I officially I renounce my malice. <laughs> 
Oh my! So I mentioned before that my favorite scene of this this season is Boba Fett braining stormtroopers with the gaffy stick. Yeah, yeah, like beating them. The brutally. most brutal thing that has occurred in Star Wars to this point, and I love it. Like seeing those helmets crack like eggshells, <laughs> and he the just... sound effect of it—it it just fell oh, real. Well, not only fell... that, but the way that he sold each swing and impact with his facial expressions. Yeah. Oh. Well, he actually does have martial arts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Life. It shows. Um. Yeah, he made reference to it. He's like, I get to use those skills here. Uh, with this character now, now they've given the room character to grow. He is another person that is extremely honored because I've seen the interviews with him. He's extremely honored to be able to come back and really, really own this character and really represent this character now. You know the way that you know in different ways than we expected because up to this point, Boba Fett's always been this guy that we get the image he's just somebody out there collecting bounties or we always look at him as a bad guy. This episode and the guy that directed it said we don't he didn't they didn't know if they were going to get Boba Fett back or not. So they said when they put him on the screen, everybody involved wanted Boba Fett to be the character like they wanted they wanted him to bring it and be that you know this is this is what boba fett is right here and this is the only chance that we may have at doing this yeah not for nothing but this episode was directed by fucking robert rodriguez of all people oh, and God, we couldn't yeah. have gotten that's... anybody better for this episode mm-hmm. as soon as i saw that fight sequence i was like oh yeah this is a robert rodriguez episode yep, yep. <laughs> like um because now now we see boba fett coming along and he's like i'm just a simple man i just want my armor back this is all i want well, i'm not you know, this is all i want to do want the so, armor he wants his heritage back because yes. he shows that it's like, this is my, this is the chain code. This is me. This armor belonged to my father and it passes to me. And they've even, um, the scene. So how deep the star Wars nerddom is the scene where he brings up that image. Uh, people have translated, translated that the that same day. Yeah. The same day. And it's like son of Django and like it talks about that, like mentions that Django was a foundling and which which cast he belonged to. And so there's also we get also what happens in this episode is we say goodbye to the Razor Crest. Yeah, that was amazing. I couldn't believe they did that. that Boba Boba Fett and Din are talking and then just out of nowhere it explodes with a laser shot from the sky. I give them credit for doing that because like, you're not going to see Firefly get destroyed on Firefly. Like the the fact that they had the balls to do that out of nowhere, completely destroy that ship. It was like, I mean, everybody was like, whoa, well, because in Star Wars, I was so close to ordering the Hasbro, like super mega model kit. They were making of the razor crest. And then I saw that it's like, man, I don't even want it. I don't even want it. It's dead to me. No, man. No, I don't do that. Don't do that. I, I still want, I almost bought the matchbox version of it. I wish I had bought it now, but um, like, I really give them credit for doing that though, because that was one of those moments in the show where everybody was like, Whoa, you know, that was just like, Holy shit. Again, there's lots of these moments, but it was like, they just, you know, cause in star Wars, the ships are characters under themselves. You always know oh, yeah. Luke Skywalker's fighter. You always know the millennium Falcon. You always know the Death Star. Okay, bad example of a ship, but still it's a ship. You know, the sh- the ships are characters under themselves, and it was like, fuck, it's, they, it's gone. What, whoa, what the fuck's going to happen now? That's not going to And the fact out. that the only, the only things left of that ship that weren't Ash were the Beskar spear and the gear shift. Well, he had the gear shift in his pocket, so that was why that, that happened that way. 
But um, now that that was crazy. But the one thing I want to go back to, going back to the Boba Fett thing, though, is at the end of the episode, Boba Fett's like, "I'm going to help you get this kid back." Oh yeah, yeah. We we, we skipped over that. The death troopers. Yeah, and, and, and who who else was just waiting for the other shoe to drop? Like who else was who else was like, "Nah, he's got a deeper plan." There's no way he's just going to freaking help him. But there was no deeper plan. He did it out of he's not he's not quite Mandalorian but he was raised Mandalorian so plus he brought that other the, the chick the, the sniper chick he actually helped her and brought her back to life and yes I was actually really happy so so uh Fennec Shrant she's 57 years old I think is it 47 or she's 57 yeah yeah, yeah, yeah she's like yeah because because she was big on um Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, Ming, yeah. Ming, Ming, Ming Na Wen and yes. she, she's been around for a long time yeah she's definitely she's well, gorgeous okay. At the expense of sounding a little, uh, I don't want to say racist, a little uh, uh, profiling maybe, Asian women age so much slower than anyone else in the world. So, so I, I, the industry I work in, I deal a lot with um, Asian weddings and Hindu weddings. And I have this theory. Asian women and Hindu women, both Indian women, they age so slowly and then just one day – Bam! It's like they are a one day they transform into this like yeah grandma who is wrapping people's knuckles with her cane. But until then, they aged so gracefully. And, and oh, she yeah. also played. Uh, she was the voice of Mulan in the original cartoon, and she was in the mm-hmm. Mulan movie too, briefly. But um, anyways, yeah. But it it goes to show like again, this is character depth with that. He's more than a one hit wonder. Like he shows up, he's got that honor in him. I will help you. I helped this person. You know, he's more than just this crazy bounty hunter. Now, I do got to laugh at the Boba Fett dad body memes that were floating around because <laughs> he puts the armor on and he's kind of chunky and he's kind of out of shape. But it's like, all right, he's older. Hey, yeah, hey, hey, you know, it's okay. not a dad bod. It's a father figure. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Oh, my God. I love that. <laughs> OK, that's good. That's good. Very well. So uh, the only thing that I'm wondering about, the only gripe I had about the show, and I'm going to be the Star Wars nitpicker, but it does not ruin Star Wars for me, is why didn't that ship fire on Boba Fett's ship as Boba Fett was flying up to it? I was like, okay, why aren't they blowing uh, him out of the sky? Uh, Boba, Fett, uh, Boba Fett's ship has sensor shrouding on it, and it is sensor cloaked. They knew oh. where the Razor Crest was because they had the tracker in it, so they could fire precisely on it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll buy enough, that. That's good enough for me. I'm, Moving on. I'm, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you, John, you may have pulled that completely out of your ass, but I thought yeah, that it sounds sounded, legit. I'll, I'll it sounds legit. We're moving on. Yes. Well, we didn't. We can't move on because why was Boba Fett trailing after them? Uh, to get his armor back. Yeah, to get his armor back. No, no, no. Why was he going after Moff Gideon's men, the Dark Troopers? Oh. oh, he was going after, he was trying to get Grogu back because of the Death Troopers, which I will say that was the one thing that I really didn't like about that episode because it, it felt too much of a callback to Iron Man with all of the suits of armor. I get why they did it. They have the technology to do it, etc. cetera, well, so no, on. no. But it was just like... The Dark Troopers are droids. They're... they're I understand. Yeah, yeah they, reveal, they reveal that later. Well, but it, it no, just, you it, know... In the canon of Dark Troopers, going back to the Dark Force Rising video games, the Dark Troopers were robots that were built by the Empire to hunt Jedi. before Because this the canon of Dark Troopers existed before Clone Wars and the whole Droid Republic. 
that these were droids specifically built by the Emperor to hunt down Jedis. Got it. But it just felt like I was yeah. watching an Iron Man movie. But, again, this is Disney. They have the... T- That's okay, because you got John Favreau doing this thing. You might... You know, of course he's going to throw in a little... Uh, yeah, little I was going to say... Did, they, they did it with the Bryce, little movie, Bryce Howard. you heard of it, called Iron Man. Yeah, in a... In the Bryce Howard episode, in uh, the the heiress, uh, wait, no, not the heiress. Uh, what is it? The, 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 yeah, the heiress episode, uh, chapter eleven. Um, in that episode, there's a scene with the uh, with the Razor Crest like crashing. That that whole scene was pulled right out of uh, Apollo thirteen, uh, the thing her dad directed. Oh my. Okay, so so I have to say a little thing about Bryce Howard. Um, I was watching the the gallery, the the oh yeah, like, the behind the scenes of, and I I've seen Bryce Howard in other stuff. And she's telling a story about the first time she met George Lucas and how oh, it was yes. dad, and she was five years old sitting on her dad's lap. And then it hit me like, oh, my God, she's Ron Howard's kid. <laughs> like, I, I never it never connected with me. And the that thing is, now her you last name being Howard. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can see a little bit, but I mean, it's mainly the ginger hair. But all in all, I just kept thinking. I just kept thinking, gosh, she looks kind of a chick from uh, the Jurassic World movie. Yeah, because it is. That's Bryce yeah. Howard. Huh. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Moving on. Right. Uh, so that is was the tragedy. Can I touch base on hmm. with this episode? I, I'm i good. What's that? Is there anything else that we want to kind of touch base with on this episode? Or... I, was yeah, say, I, I think, think, I mean, I think I mean, the only thing is, is that the very tail end just, you know, drops the, the, the big hint to the next episode where you, you know, he goes back, he finds Cara Dune, you know, she's now like a sheriff of the, oh, yes. I got one more, the Indiana Jones rolling boulder down the hill call out. If oh thought. yes, that was fun. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, because they've done two Indiana that I've seen. They've done two Indiana Jones call outs this season. We'll get to the next one soon. But uh, I saw the boulder. I'm like, that's Indiana Jones right there. That's that's her paying tribute to that. They do little tributes to all this stuff in the past, too, that if you're keen on it, you go, oh, yeah, that's where they're doing that from. And proof again, proof again that uh, Imperial weapons and Imperial armor are useless. <laughs> they can't even destroy a rock. <laughs> Greetings, OND fans. This is John Patrick, the Master Control Program, coming to you once again from the edit suite. We're going to break the program here because it goes on for another hour and a half. That's right, Sammy. This will be the end of part one. Tune in next week and we will have part two to sum up the remaining episodes of The Mandalorian and to talk about some of the future Star Wars projects announced at the Disney shareholders meeting. And with that... End of line. Over? Did you say over? Nothing is over until we decide it is. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! German? Forget it, he's rolling. And it ain't over now. So, what's the plan? Take off, go to Mum's, kill Phil, sorry, grab Liz, go to the Winchester, have a nice cold pint, and wait for all this to blow over. Might as well write them off. Let's close up the bridge. Let's get out of here. Close it up. Lights out. Where are you headed, cowboy? Nowhere special. Nowhere special. 